1: Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs?
0: You're listening to the Alternative Facts Podcast. My name's Chris Payne. I'm a staff writer at Billboard. Host this podcast every week. Today on the show, it's a very timely show. We've got a convo with an extremely successful rock band who just released their new album. It's Shinedown. I'm here to talk with an expert fan of the band, our Rock
2: Charts manager, Kevin Rutherford. It's about to get heavy, (laughs) one might say. It's about to get heavy! (laughs) I was a much better uh, Brent Smith impression than I than I could ever pull off.
0: Well, we've got the real life Brent Smith, his own voice coming up very shortly, just a couple <sighs> minutes on this recording. Swoon! My goodness, these guys were a great interview. They, I, I went in like not knowing how open they would be about like what they've been through and the history of the album, the history of the band. And they really went in with this conversation. This was really, really insightful.
2: Yeah, I think that makes sense because this is their most, you know, I think personal album yet. So, I think if you're going to be personal on the album, you probably got to be pretty open in to interviews too, because there's going to be a lot of questions coming at you. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it makes sense for again a very personal, deep album, and uh, with a lot of themes, a lot of uh, threads uh, to kind of go off of. Uh, but at the same time, as I talked to them as well a couple months ago, and maybe they said this with you too. You know, it's it's very much something that a lot of people can relate to. It's it's even though it's very personal, it's framed in a way that makes it you know applicable to a lot of people for sure.
0: So you've been a fan of this band for a long time, and I think it has a lot to do with how you started working in charts at Billboard. So tell me about how you got into them.
2: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I uh, I remember. I remember their first album, Leave a Whisper, came out kind of around the time I started high school. And a lot of people in my kind of my friend group, they were fans of the band, and uh, that continued with their second album. But it was the third album that I remember coming out uh, my senior year in high school, and this was at a time when I was in, I think it was either yearbook or the school paper, one of the two, and during downtime, I would just kind of track the first single "Devour" from that album, its success, and specifically on the Billboard charts. Mm-hmm. So I would be sitting there, like on Billboard.com in 2008, if you can picture it. Um, the charts system actually doesn't look that much different, but uh, <laughs> you know, neither here nor there, I guess. But uh, I remember like tracking it and tracking, it, and that kind of kept me interested in the charts from then on and now here we are so they were kind of that first band that really really got me interested i guess
0: and if you work at Billboard and Charts department in rock charts, then you deal with Shine Down's name a lot.
2: <laughs> yeah, every every two or three years they come back and just, you know, dump a couple of number ones on you and you're just like, "Hey, here, here we go again." They're they're crazy. I mean, they've pretty much since the beginning been very successful. I mean, at this point, devil the lead single is their 23rd single to hit the Billboard charts. Every single single, every single single sounds terrible. Every single single um has hit the top five that's on mainstream rock. That's insane. That's no crazy. No one's done that. Yeah, and only two of those were, like, number five. The other ones were at least number three, if not bigger. Eleven number ones, as of now, but they're number two right now with Devil, so that could change very quickly. But Eleven number ones, that's second most all-time to only Three Days Grace and Van Halen. So they're they're huge. They're absolutely huge. It's it, it's very rare to see a band that's just this, mon- this money every single time out. You know, there, there's been no no semblance of a false start with them pretty much their entire career, which is pretty crazy. A lot of bands, even like some of the biggest bands, have at least that one album that just kind of didn't do as well as you might have expected. They haven't had that yet. It's pretty crazy.
0: Yeah, and they were very, very open about talking about this history and what it means. I think they were great at putting it into context and rock music and mm-hmm. the music industry in general. They Talk to me about what it's been like being with Atlantic Records from the very beginning. It's just crazy
2: that they've been able to stay there the entire time.
0: That's, and they, they dropped yeah. some news about how they just re-upped their contract, so in this podcast, details about future Down albums on the way.
2: Absolutely. Which I'm sure, you know, like Clockwork, about two or three years from now, just get another one and it'll probably knock everybody on their ass again. I don't know. Say-
0: <laughs> so I also gotta throw out a little disclaimer for this one. Uh, I Suck. Towards the end of this interview, I ran out of tape on my recorder. It was actually in the middle of a really, really good response from one of them, so my fault, I know, I know, but we pick up at the end of the interview, I, we piece it together with a different recording with it on a different tape, so I put it all together and I did my best with, with this one for you guys, so here it is without further delays, my talk with Eric and Brent from Shinedown. Of this album, the story through it. In the interview you guys did with my buddy Kevin, you we were talking about wanting to do a video for every one of the tracks on the album so there's been two so far is that still a project you're
1: going to continue 100% yeah we're bro- we're working with a guy named Bill Ukick who is just a brilliant individual um, you know he came from an editing background because he actually was the editor for Beyonce's Lemonade and he was working with Manson Marilyn Manson and Johnny Depp uh, before he uh, started to work with us and with an album like this because it's the very very first time that we've done something that is built around a story because quintessentially was Shine Down what we do is after we finish a touring cycle we'll take the following year and we will just work on the new material we didn't do that this time case in point because we got an amazing opportunity at the beginning of 2017 to open up for Iron Maiden for 44 days so that perspective of going from the studio back to tour back from tour to the studio for me it gave perspective Um, I think at times uh, with the band the focus was all about not ever phoning anything in when it comes to albums with us. But in the past, we've done like, you know, you'll write 50, 60 songs, you'll pick the 10 best, and then you'll go from there. Because he had had the wherewithal and the foresight to put together demos when we were on tour in 2016, towards the end of that record cycle for a record called Threat to Survival, he was like, I'm gonna go crazy in these arenas, you know, if if I don't have something to do. So just to kinda get a jump start, we were finishing up touring, and every day he took a Pro Tools rig into a room in whatever arena we were in, and he wrote a composition before you knew it. uh, The beginning of, you know, 2017, he had 22 compositions. I didn't wanna hear him when we were on tour because my brain kinda works with two different machines. But when I listened to them, even though they didn't have any lyrics and no melodies, they all belonged together and they all sounded like they came. No melodies you knew about. No melodies I knew about. (laughs) That's true, that's very, very true. Um, And the interesting thing from that was we didn't even use those compositions for what became Attention and Attention. I think we only used one piece of music, but that's like where the, the idea was sparked from.
3: Yeah, one, one Piece of Music made the record. It became uh, Brilliant, which is the last track on the, uh, last last song on the album. And there was another song uh, that didn't make the album that we actually worked on um, for the record. It was one of those tracks. But I always felt like we had those in reserve. Mm-hmm. You know, they were always there as like a safety net. And I much prefer he and I getting in a room together the guitar or piano and starting something from scratch and the organic nature of that I, you, know, you, you inject a lot more soul into a song that way I think and, and so but they were like rainy day tracks you know if we needed something and but it also got me got that part of my brain going again because it, it's hard to, to to just come off tour and jump into a studio and go okay here we go and, and be prolific you know it, I, I think having that that setup time getting into the writing process the real writing process of the record was, was super important I just wanted to to, to really exercise that part of my brain before we before we got down to the real work.
0: So the last track, brilliant. You said that really made the album.
3: Yeah, it's 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 uh, it's, it's the finale. And it's the big moment. It's it's uh, it's. it's uh, it's the first uh, first time we haven't had an album in with a ballad, and I guess the last three records, but prior to this one, all, all ended with a ballad. So this is a big, uh, a big bold statement at the end of the record. It's a it's, it's a super super energetic song, and it's it's one of our favorites for sure. Um, you know, we needed that song. We needed something that, that was like that. and We were talking about, man, we need something that sounds epic and energetic for the end of this record to to make this final statement, and and. You know, I just dipped into that bag of tricks because I knew that was there, and and it, it seemed like it fit the bill. So, um, and it did; it turned out really really well.
0: It yeah, it's cool that you say now that that tr- track was so pivotal in making the album because it really stands out. And that it was it was making me kind of think of songs from an actual rock opera concept album. Like I know, I know you guys said you weren't exactly going for that, but it made me sort of think of like American Idiot. Like that's sort right. of like with the shifts in the way the the song goes. the all, all the different, like, suites, sort of, with the guitars? Yeah, I yeah, I, I grew up in a household where we, we
3: listened to a lot of musicals. We were always watching, you know, mm-hmm. Roger and Hammerstein, and, and uh, um, you know, the, the, that sort of stuff was always playing. My mother always had that kind of stuff playing, so in that way, my brain does kind of work that in that, that sort of way, melodically, and key changes, and, and that sort of thing, um, and, uh, but it was, it was. I don't know. That, that song just wanted to be what it ended up being, which was a, a, an opus, you know. It, it, it was screaming out from the lyrics that, that, that were eventually put on top of it and, and to be this big triumphant moment at the end of the record. Actually, at one point we talked about it was going to be the first track on the record at one point because we were, you know, we listened to, well, does, is this something you start a record with or is this something you end a record with? But subject matter-wise, it only made sense to go at the end. Listen musically, it's like, it kind of sounds like you could start a record um but uh, it definitely ended up uh you know serving its purpose and is, is something that we are extremely proud of.
0: Yeah, so before we get too far ahead, how about you guys introduce yourselves so the listeners can know your voices and tell yeah, us yeah. what you play in the band.
3: Uh my name is Eric Bass. I'm the bass player in Shinedown, Down as well as the producer
0: and mixer on Attention Attention.
1: My name is Brent Smith. I'm the lead singer in the band Shinedown. Down.
0: Yeah, so Eric, you said that um with 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 Shina, this is the first album in the catalog that you've exclusively produced. That you That's you, you know you did some production on the previous one, but sure. tell me what it's like taking on that role because I know it's it's a role that I think is you know it's traditionally done by someone outside the band directing right. and guiding. What was it like stepping into that different role with people you've worked with so long?
3: It was something that I felt like I I had a handle on from the beginning. I felt like I knew what the scope of this record was, what it wanted to be, what uh, you know records are living breathing things in my mind and and songs are as well and when you put them all together they start letting you know what they want to be with what direction they want to go um, as far as our band dynamic goes there was never any issue with that um, we all love each other very much we all get along we all respect each other um, these guys let me walk in every day and trusted me to to guide this from from the beginning to the end uh, personally you know I really tried to keep myself in check because we didn't have that that in my for me we didn't have that outside producer here I was the outside producer here and not only had you know I'd been I'd been there from the beginning with some of these songs you know from from, from the demo phase to, to producing the demos then into tracking the record and, and and eventually getting into the mix so I was trying to keep myself in check about what was best for the song and what's best for this record um, taking my removing myself from the process when I needed to and uh, you know, uh, uh, dealing with the self doubt when it came, and and these guys helped me with that as well because it's you're, you know you're a producer but you're still human, and uh, especially it's interesting when you, when you're producing your own band because you can bring those things into the conversation. Which when 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 I'm working with another band, I wouldn't normally go. I'm having this self doubt right now about this this and this. I wouldn't even bring that up. Mm-hmm. I would. I would. You know, Kevin Smith, the director, always talks about how you always walk in the room as a director and you. You you never let anybody know you don't know what's going on at all (laughs) times, even when you have no clue what you're going to do. And that's that's the approach I take normally. But When I'm in there with my brothers, I can go, I can look at at these guys and go, you know, I really don't know what to do with Creatures. You know, I don't know what to do with this song. I have these different options here. My brain says we can go this way with it or we can go that way with it. And we could have a dialogue about it. And and we did. And it steered that song into a really special place. Um, So, uh, for me, it was just always about that, just always about keeping myself, keep myself in check. About you know, making sure I'm making the right decisions for the band. I'm not making any selfish decisions as the person who wrote the song, you know, initially or, or as a band member.
0: Yeah, Brent, what's it like being produced by this guy?
1: My whole outlook on it was there was no one else that was. Was going to be able to do it, but him. The one thing about the fact that this is our sixth record is that we've had some really extraordinary teachers, you know, great producers, great engineers, both male and female, over the years. So um, we've been very, very lucky in regards to that. He makes a good point about this album specifically. He looked at it from the point of view of he would rather go crazy making it himself. Instead of watching someone, I'm saying it wrong. He has a better way of saying it. How do I, I messed? I, I totally like messed it up.
3: No, that was, good. I was I was waiting to see where you were going to go with it. Actually, I was I, was, I had gonna, to like, abandon spirit. ship. I had to <laughs> abandon ship. <laughs> he just jumped off. Uh, I I told Steve Robertson, our our, our head of A and R, uh, our A and R rep at Atlantic, when he, when we had the professional conversation about me producing the record, I said. I know that I would rather go crazy making this record myself than to grow crazy watching someone else try to make this
1: record. And that's really what it boils down to because the fact of the matter was is he never really had any questions for the most part. Every day that he would walk in with the four of us, myself you know, and and Eric and Zach and Barry, we trusted him because he trusted us as well, but there was never one of those days where he walked in and he didn't know what he was gonna do that day or he didn't know where we were gonna go. He also had the presence of mind at times to be like, if it was not working on a particular day, he didn't beat it up. You know, he would look at us and be like, you know what, let's get out of here. We'll come back tomorrow. Um,
2: and, and for,
3: and for as, as much, you know, stress as there was, it's very interesting that there was, I was always comfortable. There was never, I never had any sort of, of uh, extreme, I, I never wondered if this thing was going to get done, if it was going to be good. None of that. It was just, I sort of had this knowing that it was going to be great when it was finished. Uh because we were starting with really great songs, and you know, I, I, we'd be working really hard on one song. Say we were working on on Devil, and you're just you're just you're in there for a couple of days on this song, and you're pounding away, and then you know, you I'd maybe open up Get Up, and I remember opening up Get Up and going. And, and, you know, in demo form, just listening to it. And it was like finding a $10 bill in your pocket when you're in, in the laundry, you know? Like, I forgot about this. Another you know? thing, too, and, that and, he would... And, and, and so we always had these... I would always be woken up to these, these oh, this song over here is awesome, too. And, and it was just a real comfortable feeling of, of uh, you know, like, like, uh, like you know a secret nobody else knows, and it's this record. And you're making it, and it was just... Yes, you're worried about... about delivering it the right way or, or making the right decisions but there was never this 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 blanket of worry at all it was actually really comforting the whole process was, was strangely comforting
0: yeah and you know you mentioned brothers a little bit earlier and describing your bandmates you know this this lineup of Shinedown has been together a decade now and you know there was some upheaval in the band lineup early on what's it been like keeping this group together for so long what does it take nothing
3: it doesn't take anything to keep it together. I mean, we we just, I mean, when I say they were my brothers and that we love each other, that's it. And it's kind of it's been that way since I got here. It's very, as Brent Smith would say, it's very unique. It the, is the way that we, the way that we gravitated toward each other and never wanted to leave. You know, it's like it's like finding, the, you know, finding your spouse. You know, it's it's kind of like that's how it was supposed to be from the beginning, and and. uh you know i wouldn't i i wouldn't accept any other offers to be in any other band ever period i don't give a shit who they are i don't give it was u2 i don't care if it was rolling stones i don't care this is where i want to be and i'm playing with the people that i love and i and i get to um, i get to walk on stage every night and just have a ball and i have a ball off stage and we go through things that that just like this is what this records about you know we went through some turmoil but I was never uh never angry, you know, during that time. I was scared sometimes, but I was never angry. And uh it it doesn't take much other than communication, you know, that's it. I think that
1: also when you're talking about bands, every band has a beginning, but not every band, you know, has a future. And the reason why Shinedown has a future is because of Eric and because of Zach. Because, yes, there were two original people in the beginning of the band's infancy. But the only reason why the band exists is because we have Eric and Zach. Because where the band was before they were here was it was just a very fast collision getting ready to happen. And... They came into a situation that I know for a fact would have completely terrified somebody else. The reasoning behind why I say this is that the universe put them here for a reason. And the universe put me here for a reason. And we were all four supposed to find each other. And now we are, in 2018, getting ready to release, in my personal opinion, the the best album that we've ever put together best album since sound of madness i can tell you that um and and there's a reasoning behind that because i don't think that shinedown just as a as an emotion and as something with a heartbeat that has a very strong heartbeat now it exists because you know we found each other
3: and i mean yeah I've a- actually had the pleasure of meeting Brad Stewart, who was the original bass player in Shine Down. I've met him a couple of times, and he's never been anything but gracious to me as well. And that's something that, you know, I, w- I always try to fit that in when when, when that other t- when the beginnings of Shinedown comes up, is that, uh, you know, I don't have any sort of, uh, you know, we don't have any issues with each other or anything. Mm-hmm. You know, he's always been uh, always been really really nice to me every time I've, I've spoken with him. So.
0: So all three of us have been talking about this, the concept album and the story, but we actually haven't spoken about what it actually is. So why don't you two, in your own words, take the listeners through what is the story behind the new album?
1: So there would be a couple of ways to do this, but the best way to make everybody understand where we were coming from is we never worried about crossing a line because we just removed the line. Um, it's, all, it's a record about not being afraid to fail, point blank. Um, I think that sometimes people will pigeonhole themselves into a corner and almost paralyze themselves mentally, physically, even psychologically. They'll allow themselves to be desensitized because if they want to achieve something that they're not normally gone after, because they've never tried, they'll second guess their worth to where they won't even attempt it. You're going to need to fail. You're gonna need to know what that feels like so that you can learn from it. Because we don't think that people are gonna be defined by their failures, we think you'll be defined by the fact that you didn't give up. And that's a lot of what attention attention is about. You know, it's right out of the gate and how it's bookended. Like when you open the record, we're putting the listener into an environment. There's a machine going off in the background, almost a rhythm of like a heartbeat. You hear a knock on the door, door opens up, person walks in, chair gets pulled up. They sit down, they take a deep breath, and they exhale, and then Devil Begins. You start in the darkest place possible. Um, Everything in the record takes place inside of this room. We want the listener to put themselves in that chair. Because even though the album as a whole is about the four of us, we want the listener, male, female, young, middle-aged, older, doesn't matter what part of the world you're from, color means nothing religion means nothing this is all about the human spirit and it's literally about the it's about the human connection man and but it's also a record where the story is built around the idea and the fact that this person knows if they continue down the same path that, that they already kind of know what the ending is going to be, and it's not going to be good. So they've made a conscious decision to face their demons. And the beautiful thing about Attention Attention is you hear all of this intensity through the beginning, to the middle, to the finale. And the album doesn't ever really end, because the last thing you'll hear on the record is, until next time. And that's what's really... There's a lot of strength in this record because it is the sheer determination to not quit or to just refuse to give up. But it's also in the same breath, this individual is willing to go through it to get to the other side.
3: And I mean, it's, it, like we said, it's autobiographical. Every, every single song is a, is a personal story. Every single song is something that happened to us. You know, we failed. And we weren't allowed to be afraid to fail. We learned a lot from our failures, and um, it led us to where we are, and led us to this this wonderful record. And uh, we we hope that by being honest with the listener, which is which we feel is the most important thing to do, um, that through our failures and our in our you know overcoming those failures and, and growing as people, that, that we will help help others to do the same. I think everybody will be able to find. Their own meaning in these songs, they're, they're, they'll be able to grab a hold of them, love them, take them with them, and, and and learn things about themselves through these songs as well.
0: I'm curious, for you guys personally, in facing your demons not being afraid to fail, what experiences shapes this?
1: With me, it's been a long history with substance abuse and alcoholism. Um, it's something that I deal with on a daily basis because I don't ever and I get asked this a lot, but I don't ever tell anybody that I'm sober, even though I am clean, because I can't live my life like that. I never really went into a a rehabilitation facility. Um, If I did, I didn't stay long, um, because I've always felt like I had to do it on my own, but the fact of the matter is, is I'm sober today, I don't know what I'll do tomorrow. I can't live like that. Like, I have to live in the moment, and, The other side of that for me is through the last 20 years that we've been a band and hearing different stories and just people's openness to be honest with us about what the music means to them because they know that the one thing about this band, there's many things about the band that people gravitate towards, but a lot of it is, it's honesty and it's also necessity. And this album is very, very necessary on a lot of levels. It's an urgent record, but... I'll be very, very open with you, man. On the last album, Threat to Survival, during the process of getting that record recorded, I had, I fell, man. I uh, I had a slip, and it turned into something that literally almost killed me. And there was a lot of work that was involved in getting myself out of that hole. We've always said that sometimes you have to fall into a hole to figure out how to get out of it. But I remember Eric, I was in Los Angeles, and everybody kind of knew what was going on, and he did not tell me. And he flew to Los Angeles, and he took me out of my house, and took me to the Cleveland, and took me to the Cleveland Clinic for two weeks just to try to help me get my mind right. And um, you know, I've been clean since March first. I'm going on about two years now. Um, but I wouldn't have been able to write this record if I hadn't gone through those experiences, and he's gone through them with me. Yeah, you know, same thing with Zach, and same thing with Barry. That's just my side of a lot of this, yeah, but yeah. I'm not afraid to talk about it.
3: You take a song like like Devil. I mean, the visuals when we were writing lyrics for Devil or or that trip. You know, that's the beginning of the story for me. You know, is is going to California and trying to help my my brother out and and watching him in that state and. You know, that, that's rock bottom. You know, that that's that's it. That's where the story starts. And then you get to a song like Get Up, which, you know, I deal with a lot of depression issues. Um, a lot of those depression issues at the time were stemming from where, from where he was, you know, and me being worried about him and, and um, you know, not being able to get out of bed and, and uh, not being able to function as a human being. And, you know, we write lyrics in Get Up or about that, you know. So they're all... We're just human beings, you know, we, we have a great job, we have uh, we have the best job in the world, we have the best fans in the world. But at the end of the day, we're just people, we're human. And we, we fall and we, we, we slip and we have to deal with these demons. And there's, not, there's nothing that we're ever going to be able to take out, we're never going to be able to get rid of these things. I'm never going to be able to go into my head, reach in and pull depression out and get rid of it. He's never going to be able to go in and take alcoholism and drug addiction and... Remove it. It's always mm-hmm. going to be there, so you have to to respect these things and you have to acknowledge them, and then you have to get smart and find a way to navigate them. And that really is what attention attention is about. It's about that journey of okay, here's where we are at rock bottom. How are we going to? What what what, what devices can we use to get better? What 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 what's this journey going to be? And we didn't really know that. That's what we were. We we'd written a few songs for the record, but it wasn't really. We, we finally just one day looked at each other, and it was, it was right after we wrote Get Up, and it was like, I think this is, this is about us, we're just writing about us, we're writing about our lives, so let's just continue this. And that song actually made it okay to continue writing um,
0: from a very personal,
3: very personal place for the rest of this record.
0: Yeah, first of all, congratulations to both of you for overcoming and being so open about that. That's sure. like really, really powerful.
1: I do want to touch on something, um, and I'll do my best not to be long-winded, but there were a lot of events that took place in order to make an album like this. This wasn't something that happened overnight. Um, And to touch on it, we've never been able to pull a subject matter out of thin air, like we have to write about what we know about and what we've been through the places we've been to the situations we've been involved in the people that we've met and how we navigate you know the four of us being in this band because we're with each other all the time but i think about the fact that this band has been on atlantic records for the better part of two decades and i think about the fact that we have been with our management which is indigoot and mcgathy promotions and you know, we'd never even taken a meeting with another manager. It's always been Bill McGathy from day one. These individuals, people like Julie Greenwald and Craig Cowman, who have never policed us in regards to an album. They've always been very upfront. And I got to give props to 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 Leo Cohen um, for when he came into the fold and really, you know, a few years ago and looked at the whole spectrum of Wea and you know Warner, Electra, Atlantic, and all of that. Um, All of these very powerful people come down to one thing. Let the artist be the artist. Allow the artist to develop, but don't rush them. Allow them to be who they are because I don't know of any other element, if you will, and that might be the wrong way of saying it, but the only thing that I know of that can instantaneously create an emotion is songs. It's music. I've watched... You know, the biggest, toughest, strongest dude be just literally brought to his knees and just wants to give up. And at the exact perfect time, that song comes on for this individual and all of a sudden they are back up and they're right back in the game. I've watched music, I've watched it cure cancer. You know, I've watched a girl or a young lady who is completely heartbroken I've seen this with my own two eyes. And once again, be completely brought to her knees and be at the bottom. And then that song comes on at the exact perfect time. And not only does she fall in love with the world again, she falls back in love with herself. So there's a lot of events that got us to where we are and we don't take them for granted. And there's a lot of people involved that
0: have done something remarkable and that's let us be ourselves. Yeah, you mentioned so many like legends of the music industry yeah. who've worked with you, and it's it's great to hear like how how e- easy it's been to work with them. It's, get, it sounds did, like not easy.
3: Didn't get a single phone call making this record from A and R from anybody. They were just like, "Let us hear it when it's done," and we trust you. And we trust you, which is a, it's it's a, that's a that's a pretty heavy thing in the music industry to turn to turn a record over to a band and just say let us know when it's finished. Let us know we, when we can hear it. And uh, we were allowed to do that. Nobody ever called asking about schedule, nobody ever called about wh- what part of the process are you in, none of that. It was just, uh, we called them. We called Steve Robertson to come listen to, before it was mixed, but you know, just come listen to the songs, we're done tracking. And, uh, and I think he was pretty astonished at, at uh, I wouldn't say he was surprised, but I think he was pretty astonished at what he, at what he heard. And he, he loved He
0: was it. proud, I know that, I saw it and in yeah. his eyes. Yeah, I mean, a lot of artists, just young artists starting out today, they get rushed and they don't get that kind of freedom. So I'm wondering, for you guys, your first album with Atlantic was 03. Mm-hmm. Brent, you were with Atlantic before, even before that. Like, what's it been like from just being in one place, seeing so much change in the industry happen, passing by?
1: Well, the funny thing is, is I've not been in one place. Like, I mean, I know what you're saying by that, um, but that in and of itself man going all the way back to the beginning which for me with the history with Atlantic um I mean you have to go all the way back to like 1999 um I think about even from because I've been signed by Atlantic and dropped and then (laughs) re-signed so I know how it feels um but that was in and of itself that was what was different like he mentioned Steve Robertson, who twenty years in is the ANR for Shinedown, and is still the ANR for Shinedown. I, I have to tell you this. I might be able to answer this pretty, pretty well with this next statement. The original contract for the band with Atlantic was for six albums. Attention, attention! Is our sixth record? We had not even turned the record in last year. And towards October of last year, we got a call, and the call simply said this, even with the fact that you have not turned in the sixth record to Atlantic, they would like to sign an extension for two more albums after the sixth record. It's a family, it really is. I, I, I can't talk about any other labels and I can't talk about any other band or any other artist, but our experience here at this legendary record label that was founded by Ahmed Erdogan, who I had the pleasure of being able to hang around with um, and sing for and have some pretty cool conversations before he passed away, that's, Shinedown is in my heart, that's part of the foundation of this building and, you know, if anything, you know, I think a lot of what we do is, is the bones. And it's it's what... We represent rock and roll because we don't look at rock and roll as a genre. We We look at rock and roll as a way of life. And that's the way Atlantic looks at it. And for us personally, it goes back to what I said before. They've always allowed us to be ourselves. But they gave us time to develop. They did.
0: Yeah, I mean... Over the yeah, over the years, you, you with, you know, you mentioned like rock and roll and repping it as a lifestyle and this long and an attitude. Sure, yeah, and this long string of success with with Atlantic. I mean, you got you guys have had eleven number one songs, uh, but twenty four singles. Yeah, all yeah, all top five. With like, the way you've seen like rock you know sort of become more of a niche genre as the years have gone by in some Mm -hmm. ways i mean is it frustrating to you guys that you guys like aren't like more of a household name because like you guys have had 11 number ones like that's huge like sometimes does it bug you like where rock is now
3: when's the last time you went to a rock show like a real rock show
0: a real rock show it's not a loaded question yeah yeah like last week all the time who'd you go see i went to see uh five seconds of summer all right not i and did that look like a niche genre to you no it didn't okay
3: Exactly. I mean, I love... Here's the thing. The tastemakers would believe that that's what's going on. Yeah. Because they would love nothing more than to see it go away. It's not going
0: anywhere. It's me, Chris. Remember in the beginning of this interview, the intro, where I said my recorder ran out? Well, this is that moment. My bad. We're going to pick this up in a sec, but I want to say, though, Eric continued here with, with this response he was giving, continued here uh, pointing out how big rock music continues to be, especially live, filling arenas, and selling music, uh, about the diversity of Shinedown's fans, You know what he sees at meet and greets and other stuff like that. So we're picking up here a few minutes later. This is recorded off my iPhone. That's why it sounds a little different. Uh, taking us through to the end of the interview. Here it is.
1: But the biggest thing about that community is you can have four different people. One has tattoos. The other one, you know, is Spanish. The next person has a purple mohawk, you know, and then the next person is, you know, dressed in a button down, shirt tucked in, very, very, you know, just casual but maybe all four of these people look why, why in the world would all four of these people be in the same place to rock out to listen to music and guess what none of those four people are gonna judge anybody sure because they're all there to be together that's just a that's just a, a definition mm-hmm. maybe a dynamic to kind of that's how we
3: see it our, no one's pointing fingers at you mm-hmm. our meet and greets are, are some of the most inspiring places I wish I wish everybody could see the cross-section of humanity that that we get to see on a daily basis I mean we I've yeah. I've met transgendered fans I've met gay fans I've met black fans I've met Hispanic fans I've met conservative NRA member fans And they're all in the same meet and greet They're all in the same place And they're all there for the same reason Because they love the music And nobody's hating on anybody else They're all just excited about being at a rock show And it's uh, You know, it, it it really validates The genre It validates the hard work that we put in And that's that's why we do it you know, it's because there are no labels at a rock show. Mm-hmm. You know, you're rock and roll fans, that's the only label. And that's it. And uh, it's, I love looking out over that crowd and just seeing the diversity in age, the diversity in race, the diversity in religion, the diversity in political viewpoints. And nobody has time to hate each other, nobody has any any sort of. Malcontent in their heart, they just—they just—they're just just there to rage, just Mm -hmm. to rage and (laughs) have a good time. They just sing the songs that they love, and
0: uh, I would—I would invite everyone out to to, to experience any rock show. Sure. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I—I cover rock music for Billboard, and I've been there for five years, and it's—it's frustrating seeing how, like you mentioned, like the tastemakers and how sort of that—that like zeitgeisty opinion has. Over, over, like, since I got into music Around the time you guys started the band Like, got into rock music And how it's There's just been, like, a lot of negative stereotypes
3: Rock has been been dead for 30 years You know, if you listen listen (laughs) to the wrong people You know Who's the guy that said he wouldn't sign the Beatles Because guitar rock was dead You know Mm Mm-hmm that's just okay All right you know people don't want to hear guitar anymore well guess what that's just you're still saying the same thing and it's not going anywhere you know kids are still getting guitars for christmas they're still getting their hearts broken they're still writing songs so obviously it's not going to go anywhere it's not, you know what also and it's great when it evolves i love the evolution of rock music i really really do you know but but as a genre it's not gonna it's not gonna go anywhere
1: The other side of what we do as a band, we've never made the same record twice. We're never going to. And we use a lot of different soundscapes and we use a lot of different instrumentation. This record being a definitive uh, example of that. Like Eric knows what all the technical sides of recording a record are. Like this and this and this equal out to be this. And this is the textbook way to do this, but doesn't really care. He's mixing and he's recording with his heart. He's not looking at a diagram to figure out how to make a kick drum sound right. You know what I mean? So that in and of itself, I mean, it's funny because I've always been like, we're like, you know, it's like being in the what's it like being in Shinedown? I'm like, it's like being in the third grade forever. <laughs> you know, you don't want to ever lose that you don't want to lose that kid in you. You know what I mean? And that's that's what I think of when I look at just music as a whole. You know, it's supposed to lift you up. It's not supposed to bring you down. And uh You know, I I think that going into this this year in 2018, music also is a pendulum and it swings back and forth. And I'm gonna be very respectful when I say this, but I do mean it. You are never going to change the fact that sometimes all you need is drums, bass, guitar, badass vocals, and a killer song. Three chords
0: and the truth, and you're good to go. Yeah, and two more Shine Out albums, sounds two like. At least two more. <laughs> and and th- thank you guys for giving us a, a voice and a platform as well. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you so you much. Yeah, we really appreciate
3: it. It's a pleasure. This is fun. Thank
0: you. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks. So that is it. That is the end of the conversation. Thanks so much to Eric and Brent for taking their time out. Uh, I hope what they brought to the table got you thinking about genres, about rock music, about their personal stories, all they've been through to this point. So, Shine Down—the new album—it's out now. They're also on tour. If you found this podcast, then you don't need me to explain to you how to go find those details. You know what's up. But some other things that I have going on with this show—it's—it's uh, it's called Alternative Facts hashtag alternative facts all one word if you want to search for it find it anywhere you get your podcasts uh, itunes podcast app on your phone whatever we run it on billboard every week sometimes twice a week so to make sure you get it every time uh, search for it, go subscribe for it, leave us a star rating. If you were into the Shine Down episode, you found this because of that. I have a feeling you would be into last week's episode, which was an interview I did with Under Oath. So, plenty in there to dig through in the archives. I've been doing this podcast for a few years, lots of old episodes, and more coming at you soon. So, we'll talk soon. I'll catch you next time.